the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. And now it's time for expert analysis from the best in the game. This is Be She's Wrestling with Mike Davidson. I'm a former producer of wrestling, and I had to tell people, here's what I need in a promo, here's what I need in a match, and here's why you have to do it. You tried to be cute, you tried to be clever, and you came off undervaluing the guy the promoter is paying thousands of dollars to get into the ring with you. Special guest star, the Mecca, Shane Madison. Madison. Jealousy is something that the Mecca Shane Madison has had to deal with my entire life. It doesn't matter! Because I guarantee that the Mecca will win. And producer Chris. He's just a money-making machine, that guy. As somebody who's featured regularly on their program, I don't think he's going to be able to take enough time away from his other adventures. The guy is a mogul. And now, he, she's wrestling. He, she's wrestling. Have you ever heard the song, Jesus is My Friend? I was just playing that for producer Chris and, and the Mecca Shane Madison. I think we've got a new song that we're going to end the show with You're today. giggling like a, <laughs> like a little boy. It actually makes me feel warm inside. So please stick around and listen to the end of the show so you can hear this song. It is one of a kind. Do not Google it. Listen to the whole show, then listen to that song. Well, that must be why Chris is not wearing his scarf today, because yeah. he, he's, oh. he's warm. I'm warm, yeah. yeah piping hot. Piping hot. Yes, I should have wore a scarf. Today. You should. I have a scarf. I was good. I was thinking about maybe making that a gimmick. Just make it more ostentatious every week. Maybe a hat, but cardigan. Yeah, cardigan. Fedora. You, you keep saying the. Car- I do have a fedora too. Like, did you like on. the axe? He put <laughs> uh, <laughs> producer Chris in none of what looking for. Uh, Will produce for, I a jacket. Put, for a jacket. I'll put, I'll put that on social media. <laughs> that was cool. I love that. Yeah. All right, guys. Episode couple, sixty-two. Yes, a couple weeks ago. That's like a one year and ten weeks. A couple weeks ago, we tried to be nothing but positive and it, and it got rave reviews actually this week we might be a mix of positive and negative because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about um you wanted to issue a ret- retraction before we get too far into it oh yes that's right I, and i had mentioned this to uh wpw and devin uh we were talking about uh bryce bentley last week uh, but losing a match he shouldn't he should have been protecting his right. status and he did lose the match but then the, the decision was reversed so i had the finish wrong my recall was not great for that but um anyways that was my bad so uh he so, didn't. He he didn't do a job, but it, he did, and then they reversed it. Yeah, but, but it, he he still wasn't featured in a very prominent, prominent way. way. Yeah. As I'm to understand it, I heard from somebody who knows something from that show, and I my understanding is that Marty Goldstein was too quick going into the finish, like getting the finish reversed. So it would have been easy to not understand where they were going because Goldstein should have fed for a minute and let the people understand it. Mm-hmm. And then, but it doesn't matter. In the end, this brings up an interesting point because we the two things we talked about last week was uh, Bryce Bentley and then Bobby Schenck, the WPW champion losing in CWE in a situation that was kind of out of his control. And then we get to Saturday afternoon. The next day... We were sitting at the pool. Yes. I, were you at the pool this... Yeah, you I were was, there. I was there. So we were sitting... You were watching it live on Facebook. We were watching it live on Facebook. You were, I wasn't. And then I said, you know, wouldn't it be really funny? We just recorded the podcast. Wouldn't it be funny if Bobby Shink did another job? And he again. did at the Red River yeah. X for Primos. And it's like... Um, and who, who did you drop to? I can't remember. Who was you? Moses Luke, Was it maybe? Moses Luke? I might have been. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Moses. And I can get that. You're going to push Moses as a top guy. He's, he's faithful to one brand. This is why wrestlers being exclusive actually increase their value. At the same time, 
exactly what I knew Devin would say from WPW. He said, well, you know, it's our crowd is quite different. Mm-hmm. We don't play politics and we don't tell the guys what they should and shouldn't do when they're not getting paid by us. Good, good argument from a promoter. And he will be the one guy that will stick to that. And like I said last week, Andrew Shellcross would have been ripping heads off at his champion doing not one but two jobs in the span of a weekend. So here's how Bobby Schink could handle that. Yes, I'll take your booking. You know, you're going to pay me the Okay, great. You're going to pay me this. Great. Uh, The only thing is, obviously, you know, I am the WPW champion, so I'm not, I, I don't need to go over. We can do any kind of cloudy finish, but I don't know that, like, I don't want to be doing clean jobs until I'm no longer the WPW champion. So use me as you need to. Obviously, you're not going to have me beat your top guys, but I can't lose to, to any guys at the same time. So do whatever you want. If you don't want to use me at that point, I'm completely fine with that, but I do not want to be used in a way that could be a political move from the promoter, right? Shink has to take himself out of that. Devin's good enough not to care, but imagine if if Primos or, or Danny or ABC Wrestling just decides, well, okay, we're going to have our, our mid-card guy beat their heavyweight champion, so it makes our mid-card guy look better. That is the type of petty things I've seen before. That's, sure. That was one of the big arguments for exclusivity way back. And, and exclusivity, a lot of people think I started exclusivity. I did not. I was, I was in Brandon, Manitoba when Ernie Todd and Bobby J got into it, CWF versus TRCW, and that was exclusive. You could not work for both. In fact, Ernie was signing guys to contracts. I was also here, but not in any kind of booking capacity, when if you worked for CWF, you couldn't work for Power Pro Wrestling or whatever company it was. It's been there since the 90s. It's going, it, it, it isn't there now. Some will say, well, it's way better now than the 90s, but there's a reason for that. Vance Nevada is not a booker anymore. Booking got better after Vance Nevada. But exclusivity, it has its values. One of the value is, is that when you're writing out your your when you're writing out your creative, the stars of your show are your stars. So you don't have to worry about, you know, other promoters getting miffed or or politics playing into your own card. That's just that's just my take. Have on you it. ever seen one of these Ernie Todd contracts before? Yeah, I was signed to one. I got taken to court. Well, do I got. Still, do you still have it? No, because that would be wonderful to put up on social media. He tried to get me to sign one. Yeah, so he signed me. So this is a good story, actually. February of 1998, I'd gone to Power Pro Wrestling in the fall of 97, and I was the last guy to want to go back to Ernie because I he didn't. It just didn't end well in 97, and I just I, I there was very limited. Um, motivation and Steve Stryker was the booker. Vance Nevada was back there. Did all those power pro guys go back? All of them. I was, I think I was the last one to go back. Really? So I'm at a show. So, so what happened was, is, uh, Stryker said, Hey, you want to work Friday? I said, yes, but I do not want to sign a contract. Uh, I just don't like, and so I get there and Ernie comes into the locker room and he says, you need to sign. I said, what am I signing? He's like, it's a one year contract. And I said, I'm not signing. And he said, you have to or you can't wrestle. And so I go back and forth. And he says, well, part of it's a release and indemnity in case you get hurt. Well, when a promoter's coming at you with a release and indemnity, you think, okay, are you being set up to be hurt? That's one thing you're starting to worry about. Is is he going to sick jewel on you or something? Exactly, exactly, right? Put put a hit on Davidson. And then so 
I was like, can I just, if I'm going to sign something, I want to take it and read it. I want somebody who understands it to read it. And finally, Stryker says, shut up and sign the feasing form. So I, I finally signed. I'm not that that would it. hold up in any sort of... Well, that's of, duress, right? So right. That would not hold up in so any So I stayed till summer of, o, of 08, or 98, rather. Vance Nevada got fired as Booker around that time, and I got a job, and I just didn't want to... I didn't... It never was good with me and Ernie, so I quit. And then later that year, I wanted to work for Stanton. Was Stanton running at that no, time? No, I convinced him to start up. And so in like fall of 98, I was set, trying to get Stanton to start up and he was going to in spring of 99. And then in 99, so Ernie had a two-year limit, uh, uh, what is it called? Statute of limitations to serve a small claim on the contract. So he served. <laughs> he decided he's going to take me to court. And I was, I took this extremely serious. Yeah, sorry about this. My phone is on. Popular guy. Yes. Um, so I decided, so I was going to fight the lawsuit. And I, Steve Stryker was actually going to be a witness to me in court and admit that he pressured me to sign as, as the executive. So I would have beat it, but the night before Ernie stayed it, meaning that he, we didn't have to go in front of a magistrate and he didn't pursue. It was just a bullying tactic to put these guys under contract. He actually was going to go after Bobby J for the same thing in 2000 because Bobby J breached his contract to start TRCW. That's right. He actually breached it to go to work River City. But that's just, that's how silly and stupid it got. Obviously, guys are going to say, well, that's an argument against exclusivity. But voluntary exclusivity is good for business. I want to talk about something else on the local scene. There's three types of wrestling shows you're going to see. There is the bot show, which is sold as a guarantee. There is the free show, which is done to preview your product and make pe put people's eyes on your product. And then there's the old-fashioned book a venue promote market the heck out of it sell as many tickets as you can and and how well you promote is how financially well you do run off the gate yeah yeah exactly and sponsors i'm a believer that the best formula is you try harder when you have to sell the tickets because sure. you you think about okay what do i need to do to get 150 people to buy tickets what do i need to do to get 300 people to buy a ticket you aren't happy if only 20 people buy a ticket so you're never complacent when you are owning your destiny. Selling a guaranteed show, so many times I've seen this, you'll get a guy to say, okay, if you buy this package, it's $3,000. Guy C pays Candelo is notorious for selling He's not the shows. only one, but right. yes. Yeah. Right. Candelo's been sold shows. Ernie Todd made a, life, a living off of selling Private shows. Private functions. Yes, and it was to remote communities and Indian reserves. And their First Nations communities, my bad, indigenous communities, but they used to, at the time it was known as Indian yes. Reserves. Um, and every promoter has always wanted to because it's the golden egg, except the minute you get a guaranteed show, they say you're, you get $4,000 and you'll guarantee them something for that. It might be a former WWE star, it might be whatever. But the minute you have a fixed budget, you only work to your budget. You're never sitting there going, okay, I'm not done yet. Or, okay, let's keep working. Immediately then it becomes whoever gave you that check, it's their responsibility to sell tickets and you don't work as hard. That's not quite as good. And then there's the third show, which is, hey guys, this is a great opportunity for us. We're going to work for free and we're going to and we're gonna do the show and they're going to give us food or liquor or passes to the Red River X. Is that what Primos did? Primos did that at Red River X. And okay. it's let me tell you. We know we know he wasn't paid anything for that show. I don't know that, but I 
strongly have reason to believe it. And if I'm wrong, Graham, please inform me, and I will inform the people next week if I'm wrong. It, but it's like a preview, though. Like you yes. said, that's a chance for him to get some new eyes on his yes. product. So, so let me tell you. There were tw- 12 sets of eyes well, from the looks of it. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen <laughs> Saturday afternoon. on a Saturday afternoon at the Red Rex when parents are like, hey, I'm paying to get into the gate of this thing. My kids want to ride rides. Do I want, so if you're going to do this at the Red River X, first thing you got to do is make it look like a carnival show, not just a wrestling ring, a 14 foot wrestling ring, which looks, if a 14, was it 14? Yeah, he uses a 14 footer. And we should probably explain what the Red River X is for listeners who aren't familiar. It's like a car, it's like the state fair. State fair, exactly. Good, good, good description. So, and and here I am on, on it's not just Primos that does this. So Danny's doing it at at Craven at at a music festival, right? right? And it's going to be a piss up and a party for the boys. For the boys, it's a good fun. I know why Danny does it. I don't don't begrudge him that. All the guys want to do it because it's free admission to a great country fest. The goal should be, I want... I want a hundred new fans to be hooked on my product after. So you know what I would have done is I would have had somebody with a tablet going around and saying, please sign up for our Facebook. And we're going to give you this nice wristband that says you love Primo's wrestling, like a little, a little gimme to a kid to get their parent to, to get involved with your social media. So you have a chance to market to them every other show you're going to do, do something like that to get a value back for this free show. Now at the case of the Red River X, I could have told you, that this was not a good setup. They they usually are off the beating path. It's, it's right. People are just walking by and like, oh yeah. look, there's wrestling, and they're not really paying attention. If they stop for one match, you'd be amazed, right? right? So it's it's a tough tough situation to make it work. Maybe yeah. they should have done it like so they they book like a time where the X says, hey, in 20 minutes there's pro wrestling by blah blah blah, and that way it's almost like they're kind of rallying the crowd to go to this part. That could have worked, maybe? I would have tried to work with their event organizers mm-hmm. and said, listen, we could do this as a throwaway. My guys are prepared to do it. It won't have any value for you. It won't have any value for us. But we'll do it because we want to be there. And that's what ended up happening. Or you could have said, listen, I want my wrestlers in costumes. I want a, a circus barker going around and trying to engage people. I want people, I want my street team doing street, like a, face makeup for kids, like wrestlers. I'm going to try to go and draw everyone over. So at four o'clock, they all take a break from the midway and they come watch my show as opposed to doing it at two o'clock when people are arriving. I would have tried to do it with two hours of my team going out there and engaging the people, but I get it. It's logistically a challenge. I also would have considered getting a circus tent, something that makes it seem like, oh, I'm going to go in there and it's going to be a unique interactive experience. They could tell there was no myth or magic. They could see the 14-foot ring walking by. I'm an advocate for an 18-foot ring in any size venue. I am really against a 14-foot ring outside because people look at it and they go, wow, that looks a lot smaller than it is on TV. Well, it's because it is a lot smaller. When you're talking about a, a ring that's four feet smaller... That works in small venues when you have capacity issues. But outside, when you have nothing but space, it looks tiny. It shouldn't be done. There's a reason for a 14-foot ring, but not in an outdoor venue. He should have rented AJ's ring if he could have, if, if it was available. Well, he has a 20-foot ring. Then why didn't he use it? Well, I don't know. Because I think the 14-foot ring looks nicer. And, but, so, like, the other thing is with these shows, and I saw this at, you know, Wavell Stars show, where these shows that don't have ring skirting, 
Now, Primo's does have nice ring skirting, but yeah. it was all blowing up, and you can see what's underneath the ring. Zip tie it to the bottom cable. Exactly. Wavel's show didn't have a ring skirt, and I hate that. Yeah. I think it looks terrible because yeah. you're taking away from the magic of the show. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want anybody to see under the ring. Like, I used to have people ask me all the time, hey, can I see you guys tear it on the ring? Can I see what? And I'd say no. Not that there's anything to hide. No, I mean, you but go on Google no. and figure it out. No, yeah. but I'm not going to be the one who does it. The sure. illusion of wrestling is staging and presentation. Yeah. The, nobody knows they're seeing a five-star match unless they're a hardcore wrestling enthusiast. They do know, oh, this staging, like they don't realize what they're looking at until they realize it's bad what they're looking at. You got, But I get it. You had no budget to work with. There was no money. So you're just trying to do it, but what is the end gain of exposing your product and making people go, that wrestling is hokey. There's no benefits. Yeah, and, why would he even do that at uh, that like, point? Hats off for trying, but... Have a plan. And the other yeah. thing was the ex took forever to give him an okay. He tried to get them to do a deal way back when, like in February or March or April when he announced he was going to have his, his flea market booth there. And that's where he could have used for value. I'll tell you what that should, should have been. But um, they finally gave him the okay like three days before. So yeah. he had no time to do it. It's not on him. No, not at all. It's, but have Yeah, a, that wasn't even in the event center. Yeah. So we, we didn't advertise have it Have a plan and have an exec, a, a path to execution. What he could have done and should have done is he's got his booth. And in that, in that little, in the little um, flea, flea market kind of booth center that they've got for selling things, a lot of people walk through there to see what's like what they're selling. It's like a street market, basically. I would have said, okay, Mentolo, I want you to come every day or every day you want to come and sell your gimmicks. We're going to set you up. We're going to create a nice little booth for kids to take a picture with you. But you're going to get the money. Mentolo could profit from that. But the letterhead, the letterhead is going to say Mentolo, and it's going to have the Primo's logo, and it's going to have Primo's social media information. It's like a QR code yeah, or something like so that. So that I can potentially turn them into Primo's customers. So it's a cooperative benefit, right? And then when you don't have when you don't have Mentolo, Red Hot Summer presents very well as an interactive act that would get kids interested in going to get a picture with mm -hmm. them. And Does Red Hot Summer work for Primos? I think so. I, I think Sammy Peppers works for everyone. I think Sammy Peppers. I don't know if I've seen Bryce Bentley. Okay, though. however they look at it, right? Maybe I, ha maybe I have And then, and this comes to another thing I saw in the pictures from Dave Cote. You're right. I did not go to the event. so We were busy. Yeah, so you don't have to take my word for anything. But I can gauge from the pictures I see. And one of the pictures I see is, Mark Merrick, Graham Keem, the promoter, player one, using a chair is like a hardcore match or a steel chair match against his opponents. And I'm like, there's no angle. The people who are at the Red River X are not following the story that's leading to this guy wrestling with a, a chair. That's it's it's pathetic entertainment. It's bad booking. You don't need a chair match. You're you're not being very positive. Couple of ticks there, I think. Well, <laughs> the, but the reality is, why are you doing a chair match when there's no angle to back a chair match? I agree with you. That's my so problem with AEW. Positive Pete over here, me, is going to tell you, Primos. Now I've given you the. I, now I've been constructive of things you might have done wrong. Let me tell you what my experience tells me can be done. Now, I clearly have the confidence to be a booker. I, you worked for me as a booker. I sure did. I knew how to book. I knew how to engage with the locker room. In AWE in 2005, I still hired Stan Saxon to be my head creative guy. 
because and Andy Anderson and Andy Anderson came in as an agent to help with right. the matches. Saxon was there to be very hands on with the creative, and the creative flow went through Saxon. Now that doesn't mean I didn't have my hands on it. Mm-hmm. It was collaborative. Saxon and I would get together, and he would say, "Have you thought of this?" or "What if, what if?" How or, would he say it though? How about we do this with Chevy and Sanchez? <laughs> um, what if we had a wrestler who had athlete's foot and decided to wrestle barefoot? And it's created controversy. We never got to that angle. <laughs> yeah, but that's how that's how we'd flesh out ideas. Is you know how this would create controversy where the medical, where the where the provincial or the the state medical associations coming down on us because we didn't test the guy for athlete's foot and we let him work barefoot. <laughs> And then he gave somebody athlete's foot of the face. Yeah. Right? That's how an angle came up about. We just, we would get together, drink some beer and just go back and forth. And the more outlandish we got, the more we could nail down. He's the one who came up with the lobbying Luger segments where Lex Luger was the commissioner and everyone had to come in. Later on in 2010, Saxon was a guy I almost tapped when Liam quit, but Liam Phillips he then became the lead creative guy, and I was still the guy who negotiated deals with talent. So what I'm saying is... You surrounded yourself with, with creative people, people yes. who could help lighten your load. Exactly. Right. And when I burn out because I'm doing too much, I have a guy there that's who's got to come up with the ideas to keep the engine moving. So it's clear. Player one, Graham Keem, is not going to give up the book. Danny Duggan at CWE has Kevin Cannon and Marty Goldstein. Devin does Devin's book for WPW. And Shaggy's doing Shaggy's book for Cloud9. Now, here's where Graham Keem could really benefit from saying, okay, who do I know who's creative enough? Now, I have always known guys who I'd worked with. as I knew Saxon could book from, from when I broke in, and he had a different approach and a different vibe. But get the guy that's going to be very creative at coming up. First thing you say when you're interviewing a booker is, what, knowing my roster, what would be the main what would be the main event angle for the first three months? And if the guy says I don't know, then you know he's not the guy. Because after you watch a show, you should have an idea. Well, if you did this with this guy and you did that with that guy, you got an angle. Here's the angle. Pitch. That's how you hire a booker. You pitch an angle, and when and you sit there and you you challenge it. Okay, well, what would this be? What would this be? And by the end of the story, you're like, oh, I I feel comfortable about this. He needs to find a guy who he can still promote, he can still collaborate, he can still be involved, and he can say part of the deal is I'm going to be wrestling and I'm going to be booking my own sh- my own stuff. And then the booker books the rest of the stuff. You realize that he's been thanked many times for letting people live their dreams through him, right? I... This is a direct quote this from Facebook. This is part of He's why. also living his dream. Come dream with him. Yes. This is, this is why he, he doesn't like us. This is what he puts out on <laughs> yeah. social media. You know what, though? Yeah. But like, why that. would you put that out there? Do you know what? Promo- Who's thanking this guy? You know what? Everybody I talk to says what a what a dipshit he is with his with this booking. There are actually a couple now I've counted. There's There's four off the top of my head that will send it's me a negative stuff for Mecca. Oh, that will just load, load me up. There are there are guys working in Winnipeg wrestling who will send me stuff and say, "What are your thoughts?" And one of them does a lot of. He sends me a lot of his graphic design. Do you like this? Because I've been critical of graphic design. And I always say, hey, that actually looks really good. I, I like what, you, what you're coming up with. <laughs> and the other one who I know listens to every word is the guy who runs Cloud9, who's doing some good stuff. It does not hurt to listen with a notepad and think of, get one idea a week. So Graham, if you hear this, write this down. Hire a booker. 
you can still be involved in the creative process. It's still your show, yes. your money, your promotion. Do you know three months from now, he won't even, it, nobody will realize when he did it, but everyone will know three months from now, hey, they're getting really good. Yes. They were they were getting good at one point um, when Tyler James was the champion and they had hype on Trent Seven and they had hype on Kazarian was supposed to be coming in and they had... They had momentum. They drew a big house that was disputed what they drew. It's been all downhill since around WrestleMania. And it's because he's overworked himself. He's added too many dates. He's stressing. You can see how well, he he's a, he always, stressed out. He owns a business, too. Like, he's a busy yes, guy. he's a hard-working yeah. go-getter. But make it, like, if you're going to cut corners, that's one of my pet peeves. Every local promoter cuts corners. I've cut corners when I promoted. If you're going to cut corners... You know who, if I were him, who I'd hire as my booker? Andrew Shellcross. And I say Shellcross a lot. Shellcross is clearly not eager to to run a PCW show right now. I respect that. Yeah. But Shellcross, That's awesome. Shellcross would come in and he would have some ideas and it would light a fire under Shellcross. He'd be the perfect booker. He the, wouldn't do it. Well, and the problem is if Shellcross did it and got too much pushback from Graham, he'd just say, fine. Fine, you piece of cheese. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna run a PCW show next next month. Jay Walker. <laughs> Jay Walker's another guy yeah. who runs Table Bump. He might want to book. There are guys out there that probably have some creative energy. Tap on somebody who's gonna bring a different feel to your company. Because right now it is glaringly apparent that you are going from A to B to C to D, just getting there without any any plan. And it, it, it really, I, I, I want him to succeed more than anybody. I already know WPW is succeeding and going to continue to succeed. Danny Duggan has done it for 12 years where he can, it's second nature to him what he needs to do. He's got a big week this week coming up in the event center. We'll talk about it. But Graham has the, the, the challenge of use what you've learned in business, take your go-getiveness and make your product be the best it can be. Right now, you're just running a product. Make it the best it can be. And I, w- I would add to that that maybe it's the word he needs to write down is delegation because a good boss delegates. Good boss has people around him that he can delegate to. So that's something to think about. Delegation is a good word. The other one is leadership. Leadership. Well, that's, Have yeah, the confidence leadership. to lead. Don't, don't go out there and there's so many times where he'll say something a day after a show that makes you wonder how bad of a train wreck was that last night. He'll say like thinking about giving up and stuff like that. That is not as a, the marketplace is not going, Oh, could you imagine if Vince McMahon yeah. tweeted <laughs> after raw thinking about throwing it all in? I would like that tweet. People would think I would like Vince that. is having a meltdown, <laughs> yeah. right? Do you're not going to do what Vince does, but you can't show weakness like that. Listen, like, we said it a million times. The, the only thing that's holding Primo's back is the promoter. Yes, That's but he's also thing. he's also the key ingredient to their success. Act as if. Yes, we've said it a million times. Act as if. But Vince what do we McMahon, know? Vince well, McMahon wouldn't do that. I, if I were him right now, I'd get in touch with Liam Phillips and say, "I'm going to need a guy who needs to produce Adam Knight anyway. Can you do it?" I'd get in touch with Saxon. I Shellcross would be a great guy. He's got guys Scott on his Carnegie. roster that can do don't, it. Don't give it to a guy that's on the roster, though, because it could mess up the roster. Fresh set of eyes. Yeah, that's bring fair, somebody outside in, so that way you don't have four guys going, well, I wanted it. Because right now I know two guys who have tried to get some booking say, mm-hmm. and they might, if one of them gets it, the other guy's going to be miffed, and if the other guy gets it, the first guy's going to be miffed. Of course, yeah. If it's an outside guy, 
okay, listen, we all have to accept it. It's got to be a motivator. Shellcross does know how to motivate because he does the us versus them mentality to a T, and he'll emotionally blackmail the top guy into, if you want to be the next Kenny Omega, you piece of shees. I'm the guy who made Kenny Omega. It's funny. I got one note about Kenny Omega and Andrew Shellcross. Shellcross will always say that Omega chose PCW over anything I did right from the get-go, except in 2003, who showed up at Coyotes, even though he was the PCW champion? Mm-hmm. Omega. In 05, who left PCW to come work for PCW? Omega. By 07, Omega didn't need to play that crap, and he just stayed with his friends at PCW. But I never quartered Omega. Omega would say, okay, I want to, you know, I'm available if you want me, and, I, and that's what would happen. And circling back to the Primos thing, he's got guys on his roster who want to book... For me, that's a stressful yep. job, very difficult. Hard to pe- keep people happy. I would avoid that like the plague. And yep. he's got a bunch of guys who want to do it just because they they see what this could be. Yep. And he's denying people that opportunity, which is in turn not moving his company forward. If I were him too, one of the things, and I do this from our listeners, like I read all the feedback from listeners. That's why Dave Cote and I have this little thing going back and forth where he says, did you go to a local show? Like he doesn't consider what I say relevant if I haven't been to the show. I, if you listen, I don't say, hey, this match went too long or they should have done this on the show. I say what I see from what they put out for public consumption. Just like Dave Meltzer references what he sees on TV for AEW it's the same thing. I can't be at every local show. I have, I have a life, but one thing I would say from, from, from Primos, what they should do is every fan that they know who's very engaged in local wrestling. I would just engage with them. Give me two ideas of what you think we're missing. I give them two ideas every week, but go to Richard Brown, go to uh, Terry Kloss, go to Dave Cote, Go to I'm I'm missing a dozen I'm missing sure. dozens of people. Lots of guys. But yeah. get a whole bunch of people. And, and then when you see common themes in what they're saying, you they they're doing your market research for you. You're you will be better off for it. It's 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 a simple equation. Yeah, it's not very difficult. Okay, so I got a question before we go to break. What is the best thing that Primos does, Graham Keem specifically? He's always hustling. Yeah. Like he the guy doesn't take a day off. That his work ethic is the best thing he does. Um, other good things he does, it, I think the fact that he looked at a very canceled Adam Knight and said, hey, I need a guy. And even though I know I'm going to get crucified by Davidson for this, <laughs> and even though Adam Knight, there's a risk involved with Adam Knight, he identified he had a need and he said, I'll ride through the, like he's, he obviously has a thick skin. Although he doesn't like direct criticism, he has to know there are certain things that are going to get you heat and get you called out. And he has enough thick skin. To, but then, so I would say his ability to be resilient, because everyone will tell him he's a, he's a crappy wrestler. He doesn't care. He'll wrestle on he's the next not show. An, he's not an athlete. Yeah. He's not a wrestler. I think he's got an eye for bringing in indie talent that other people don't think of. Because he, 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 he books guys that... Trent Seven? That, yeah, exactly. That... that 
I'll tell you another you thing know, he should heard do. about. The presentation of his shows, I feel, is strong. I, yeah. And last week or nice two weeks logo, ago, we said that nice Primos entrance. would be the best, if you were a family wanting to go to a show, mm. Primos would be the yeah. best presentation for it. So don't say we're all negative about Primos. We actually talk about them a lot more because we see the easy places where they could quickly improve their product. I'll tell you one, if he's got a talent depth issue, and he does, rather than training guys from scratch that he's not qualified to train, pay Mentolo to do it or, or someone like that. But I would go as far as, Hey, Tom Pritchard, I need you to come in bi-weekly th- or bi-monthly for three months or sorry, six months, every two months I need you to come in. And there's, there's eight guys on, on my crew that are brand new and very, very green. I need you to make them better wrestlers or, or, or Nick Dinsmore or Gangrel. There are guys out yes. there that can do this. Somebody yeah. who's trained guys that have made a living in the business. Do you think those guys would look at some of these guys and say, Tackle, drop down, get the hell out of the business. Yes, yes, and that would be good. But if they see two guys that they could develop, that will make Graham's product better. Yeah, that could work, and I agree with that, but I think that... We did it with Johnny Devine in 05. Fair, but I'm saying like these guys, like these Jesse Nash, this love child guy or whatever, like those guys shouldn't be in the ring. They only Those guys would get buried by Pritchard, because I know, and then... But then they'd be like, well, you know, screw that guy. My, my feelings are, I'm going to do this anyways. And that's what we don't want. Yeah, but what I'm getting at is in 05, when I knew the locals needed to come up a step. You needed to, they needed a tune-up, yeah. which is what you Johnny, did. F- Johnny uh, Devine came in. Right, but and these guys need to be trained, not a tune-up. Yeah, I know. But in 2010, when I knew, okay, they need to take another step to be on this TV, I still needed them. So I brought in talent that specifically made guys better. Danny worked with Gangrel. Bobby Fox worked with Gangrel. Anyone who worked with Gangrel got brought five steps forward. Mm -hmm. And Eugene brought Jesse Goddard's five steps forward. And Billy Gunn, Bob Hawley, Charlie Haas were bringing their people five steps forward. And that's why I say someone like Pritchard or Gangrel or Dinsmore can take five guys or eight guys and two of them at the end of six months will be so much better that Graham will be able to say, okay, now I've got guys that are way better talent that I personally helped develop as opposed to waiting for AJ to send like guys that you don't want to be the third place show forever. If you're in this game, you want to be competing with number one, which is WPW in Winnipeg. You want to be competing with CWE, but you can't take their talent because Danny's got a good way of, manipulating the talent to keep them. And I mean, I don't use manipulating in a negative way. He's got a lot of leverage to say, Hey, you have to work for me. Yeah. So he, so Graham then has to figure out a way to get his talent up a notch. Adam Knight isn't going to bring his talent, the talent he works with up a notch. He really has never done that. Robbie Royce can do a certain degree. Antonio Scorpio can Mentolo definitely can Tyler James probably can Moses Luke has done it before. But do this, invest in a guy. So you, if you did it with Gangrel, you're going to bring him in three times in six months. You do an angle with him the whole six months. And in that time, you say, hey, part of this deal, if you're going to work these shows for me over six months, is I need these, two out of these eight guys have got to be really good at the end of this. And Dave could do it. This episode of Be She's Wrestling is powered by First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store, where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Bees She's Wrestling listener, you can get a discount on your purchase using the code Bees She's. That code is B E 
S-H-E-E-Z, one word, to get 10% off. Visit the store online, firstrow.ca, or instead of click and order, go brick and mortar. Meet the guys at First Row in person, 1835 Main Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store. How good was Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega? You're asking me that question? I'm posing the question. He's throwing it to the studio. Was it the best match in North America in the last five years? No. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think it was a very good match. I don't know what Meltzer gave it. Um, I, I can't remember what it was. I'm sure he's rated it already, but uh, I'll probably see it tomorrow when, it, when I get my copy of the Wrestling Observer. I, I like the storytelling. Yeah. Um, but those guys, and I, listen, they're both great. They just don't wrestle my style that I like. You know, what's I'm funny? not saying they're bad. It's just not my cup of tea. I had a conversation with the guy at the gym about this, and he was talking about how, um, you know, as we record, this hasn't happened yet, but upcoming, Seth Rollins is defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Finn Balor at Money in the Bank. Right. And he talked about how. You know, oh, Osprey and Omega and Finn Balor and, and Seth Rollins. And, man, the, the Finn Balor and Seth Rollins could do a match like that, but they don't do that. And I go, hold on a second here. Let's look at Seth Rollins' bank account. Let's look at Kenny Omega's bank account. I'll take Seth Rollins' bank account over Kenny Omega's right now. Uh, how much has Omega made in, in his four years at All Elite? I don't know. But, Probably a lot, but, but 15, 20? I'll take, I'll take Seth Rollins because he's a household name. Yeah, He's going to be able to walk when he's 50. And can he do that stuff? We've seen it. I've seen it in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen it in NXT. He doesn't have to do it. And you can't or do it. if he does it, it's special when he does yeah. it sprinkled in there. And it would be a schedule killer for him to do it. Because if you do it at Money in the Bank, it's going to take you two weeks before you start to feel normal. And there's house shows he's obligated to go. Once WWE puts out their marketing collateral... You, they don't want you getting hurt. Well, they make good money. In the they house want shows too. you at every every market that they put twenty thousand dollars into advertising. If they said Seth Rollins is going to be there, he had better be there. Right. Whereas if you watch all elites marketing, it is never Kenny Omega is going to be there. It's always a collage of their entire roster, and you'll notice Kenny Omega is in there. If you remember in Winnipeg when they were advertising. Uh, Dynamite in Winnipeg, they said Jim Ross was going to be here. I knew Jim Ross likely wasn't going to be here. He had said it in his own podcast. Three flights, yeah. And Sting, they referenced being here. I was very sure, very likely he wasn't going to be here. And they don't care as much as Vince, who for 35, well, it's probably 40 years now, since 1985, there's a consequence if you don't make your dates. Seth Rollins cannot wrestle a match like Omega on a Saturday or Sunday night and then make his next weekend's dates. Yeah. It just won't work. And then you'll and then WWE will sit there and say, tone it down. You have we're gonna make more money off of you wrestling ten times as opposed to you having one amazing five star match. And he will make more money long term if he's able to perform. Yeah, he can sign contracts and not miss time with right. injury. And, and, and that's what that's one of the reasons I don't like that style of wrestling because I see it happen and I'm just like, boy, like that's just, it's an unnecessary risk a lot of times. That's a big pay-per-view. It's not a WrestleMania, but it's a big pay-per-view, so you are going to do a little more, but I see Sammy Guevara doing triple Salco 780s off ladders on TV. 
Like it's a yeah. waste. You're, well, you're wasting it. The other thing that they screwed up on with the Omega thing is, you know, so they had Don Callis out there. <laughs> he gets ejected from ringside. <laughs> so then he's gone. But then he comes back, gives uh, Osprey the screwdriver who uses it. And then it's not the finish. First of all, if Don's getting kicked out, great. If he comes back and uses a screwdriver, it should lead directly to the finish. That has to be part of the finish. 100%. And it didn't. So that was terribly booked. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, you know, and that maybe that's nitpicky, but I thought when they got more like towards the end, when there was a lot of color and everything, um, they're able to slow things down because they're, they're hurt. Right. Yeah. And they're selling. Um, so things make look more impactful. So you, they can slow it down because it becomes more of a story. Was it an outstanding match? Absolutely, yeah, it was. But sure. I prefer, and I think the general public prefers, a better story, like a Cody Roman type of situation. Uh, you look at any Gunther match. You look at Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Like, I would argue that was a better match than Omega. All story driven, too. And Osprey because... Of the story. Yeah. The match was great. The match was outstanding. The story was even better. So I, you have I, to have both. I think Kenny Omega has a certain addiction that when in a match like that, he has to deliver, like he is his own worst critic, and he sets his bar way, way high. And that's why five matches a year he can do that, and then you see him in six mans because he's got to right. protect himself immensely outside of that five matches. He looks at it as an art, yeah. which I appreciate because, uh, you know, he's painting a picture in there is yeah. what he's doing, right? But you have to also look at it as a business. And as a business, you need to get as much mileage out of what you have to work with your body. Yeah. And you have to be smart. So yeah. that's the only thing I'm saying. Okay, there we are. And, and, uh, and the color, like we talked yeah. about color. Man, we are getting a lot of excessive color on these matches, like on, on TVs, they're doing color. Like TV, you, you, it's too much. you don't need color. What are we doing? So for the most part, when Hulk Hogan, I always draw back to when wrestling was really magic to me, which was the 80s and into the 90s. When Hulk Hogan would wrestle a feature match, uh, like a main event match, because he only wrestled 10 of those a year on TV, maybe, with pay-per-view and TV. Mm -hmm. He didn't get, he didn't bleed on Saturday night main event very often. Nope. He bled against Slaughter, if I'm not mistaken. He bled At WrestleMania against, 7, yeah, yes. He bled against King Kong Bundy. WrestleMania 2. He didn't need to bleed against Ultimate Warrior. He didn't bleed with Andre. He bled with Savage at WrestleMania 5. Okay. He didn't bleed at 4 because nope. he goes out in the first round. He bled with Boss Man, Saturday night's main event, May of 89. Cage in the match. Cage match. Yes. Yep. Well, Cage, you have to. Like, yep. yeah, that used to be the rule of thumb. He probably bled with Orndorff too in the cage when they when they did the double finish to the floor, nope. or maybe not. No blood. Okay, so it was special when when he did it. Yeah, and there was always like kind of a reason. Like you, you'd watch the match and it would tell part of the story. Ric Flair used to get color too much, needlessly. Yeah, yeah. Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Same thing. Abdullah the Boot. Like John Moxley yeah. nowadays. So. Shoot headbutting guys. Yeah. Bret Hart, remember, he was also during the No Blade era. He probably would have used color a lot more in his WWF run if it was allowed, but it wasn't. Um, yeah. 
you got to know, okay, why, if I'm in a match or if I book a match, let's say I'm booking Shane Madison versus TJ Bratt. We'll get color from Shane Madison. And nor, (laughs) I I actually think both guys said no to the blade, but um, the first match, you guys don't need to get color. No. But when you beat down TJ Brad after the first match, maybe there might be a need for color because it shows how vulnerable Brad is if he's going to come back and prove that he can win in the end. When we beat down Andrew Shellcross, shock effect that he nobody thought that the non wrestler would get color and especially like that. And he also volunteered he wanted to that. do it. That he, was on he, him. It was something he wanted to do when he got to the business. Yeah. Um, and it, and at that time, it added. Wavel Star never got color. Nope. Uh, it makes sense to do it if you're building a big feud. That's all it right. makes sense for. Right. If you're building a blood feud, it makes sense. If it's just a show or a, if a you're throwaway. selling a main event that's like a blood. And, like I remember that Wayne Stanton and River City Wrestling used to do Chamber of Horrors Battle Royal where there was weapons involved. You're going to need some color there to sell the weapons. Sure. Otherwise, everyone thinks it's lame. Yeah. It, any cage match should have color because there's sharp edges on the cage or blunt force from the old blue bar. I just think if it's ha- on TV, it shouldn't happen. People should pay to see color. Um, if it happens on TV, it has to be to, e- to immediately escalate an angle, not a match. Do not do it in a, cause it's not a blow away match on TV. Three guys got color on dynamite this week. It's Adam page, John Moxley, of course, yeah. and Jericho. Oh, and of course, production catches him gaffing again. Yeah. Are they actually, like, when some of them are using props, like, didn't MJF use prop on his... That was blood in his mouth. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a prop. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing is... For when I, mouth blood, I guess. I'm generally against the idea of using props, but I guess if you're trying to get over, like, some sort internal of... Internal bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But it's, also added nothing to the match because it was just forgotten about and never followed up on. Yeah, exactly. You want to you know something amazing? LOD never, well, because they had face makeup, but LOD never got blood. The Road Warriors? Ultimate too, Warrior never got blood. Ultimate Warrior never did. people, though. Um, I don't know that Arn and Tully are, well, they probably did in the war games. Tully definitely got yeah. color. Okay. But like. With with, with Magnum. And probably matches. Dusty. Yeah. Okay. So they, and that's when Crockett was sold as blood and guts wrestling. Old style Southern wrestling was blood and guts, except I don't know that Memphis spent a lot of time on on blood. It's a different age now, though. Yeah, right? in this day and age, there's no, like... It meant something, though. The Southern style wrestling, yeah. when people got... But cut, now... Besides every, Flair, who yeah. just got it because Everyone knows the secret is what it is. Yeah. So using it is actually pointless. The fan, the people watching know what it is. It, they know that there was a, a mutual choice to generate that that effect. Does it, It's not needed. Um, but that's that's just... It's it's overdone. Keeping with the AEW, did you happen to see Collision episode two? The ratings or the episode? Well, the ratings dropped twenty seven percent. I would be interested. Week one, I, you know, it's summer and it's a Saturday night. I know, but what did I say? What did I say? I said before we recorded, CM Punk would be booed like crazy at Forbidden Door. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, he was booed because again, all. The AEW fans, they love the elite. They love the Bucks. I think Omega, Omega. Or I, I think Punk is postured to be, I think if I would, the way he's booked right now, or the way he's presenting himself, because I guarantee no one's going to him saying, this is what you're doing. I think he's coming and saying, this is where I'm going with this, which is a different creative flow. I think he wants to be boo- booed. Sure he does. Yeah. But I think that he wants it to be middle of the road and that there's a big segment of the audience. Yeah. This is what happened with the NWO. 
the NWO was booked to be heels when Eric Bischoff came up with it. Nash, Hogan, and Hall should be heels, but they were so good that people couldn't help but cheer them. I guarantee you when Vince McMahon was was elevating Stone Cold before the Bret Hart angle culminated at WrestleMania, Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be a heel, but the people turned him. CM Punk should be reacted to as a heel until his angle is so hot that the people can forgive him, accept him, or want him. Right now, they none of those things have happened, but he's hot. Yep, he, he, he can sure be is. he can be booed and still be hot. Yep, it's an interesting dynamic. They can he's a very they can use him in a lot of different ways, right? They can use him against a heel. They can use him against a babyface. So he's a. This is what they know. want as a company because they were always talking about we're not going to have heels and babyfaces. This is he's showing them how to do it. See, he's a middle of the road. Well, guy. I don't know if he's showing them. I think he has no choice. I think that, he's doing it his way, and the people—they're letting the people guide. And right. that's that's fine, but it doesn't mean you can't take some notes. The guys in the sure. back can't take some notes instead of switching face to heel every week. You don't. Jungle know. Boy, big heel turn. That's absolutely pointless. <laughs> like, well, at least they broke up that tag team because I, it was silly. I think it. that's the best thing you can do with Jungle Boy right now. They've they've. Fed him crap sandwiches for so long that he's got to do something different. Why is he still called Jungle Boy? Can't they just call him Jungle Jack Perry or just drop the jungle? Because Jungle Jack. He's not a boy anymore. So, it's like the Young Bucks. They're not young anymore. One guy has a bald spot yeah, on his head. Yeah. I think they were hoping that this could be like Shawn Michaels turning heel in 1991, 92, 91. Oh, yeah. I didn't Barber even see shop, that. Barbershop, January Yeah, 92. for sure. But in reality, how I would have taken Jungle Boy is I would have maybe put him and Ricky Starks together like the Rock and Roll Express. Or... He, Jungle Bo- or Jack Perry and another young baby face like the Rock and Roll Express. I don't know if you can reinvent him at this Brian stage Tillman of his Jr. career. I would have taken him out of the tag team, but as a heel, we, we're just he- sitting here talking about how MJF needs credible baby faces, and now he's a heel. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think Jack Perry was ever going to be that credible baby face. Not maybe right now, but could potentially. Uh, Jack Perry will be a world champion there. If they could restart happen. with any one talent... Wardlow. Yeah, exactly where I was going. They had a million dollar baby face percolating and brewing. This is why a bad booker (laughs) can be exposed as a bad booker. Wardlow should have been the red hot. Oh, years you could have run that. Well, you had Goldberg 2.0 almost. You had a baby face that people wanted to see explode. Do you know, I've seen it a few times in my time. I remember there was a point in time where Umaga was such a good heel that I thought, you know, if they let him loose as a babyface, he could be really hot. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like in 08. 07. 07, yeah. And I thought, you know, with a couple of tweaks, this guy, because Samoa Joe was... Yeah, doing it on on TNA. And I, I was at it, WrestleMania that year, yeah, and when, I I thought Umaga was better than Joe. Oh, personally, for sure. At that for time, sure he was. Yeah. So it's you think about it. If they could hit a, if they could hit rewind and go, now he's damaged. You cannot get him right. over the same way. The, the crowd has lost faith in him now. Now, if he went to WWE, he would be red hot when he walked out in front of the people. He he's another guy you should always look at when you think about how a guy got over. Kevin Nash as Diesel. In, he mm-hmm. starts out as the bodyguard. Yep. Everyone thought because of his WCW run, he can't wrestle. He's no good. And then the people, when he was Sean's 
sidekick mm-hmm. w- thought he was cool and yep. they couldn't wait and they turned him babyface and then Vince screwed that up. Royal Rumble 94. He was yeah. throwing out guys like left, crazy. Left right. And so, it was organic too. That's the other thing. Just like LA Knight. Yeah. yeah. Organic. Yeah. And that's, he's over. So Man, when you get, that's a, fun to watch. when you yeah. get a guy that's getting there, that's the battle. That's you, you fluke into it a lot of times. But Vince will know how to do it with LA Knight. You watch, he'll know what to do with that. Does he still? I think it's H who knows. Well, okay. It's yeah. H, right? It's yeah. that machine. H will know. And I've been watching a lot of LA Knight interviews this week yeah. where he's talking about how he was almost fired and, you know, the Max Dupree thing wasn't working. And then they. H they, saved him. Well, yeah, they fired. saved him. But then he was pushing for the LA Knight thing. But then they thought. Then they said, oh, he's 40. You go, ooh, 40 years old. Ooh, I don't know about that. So there was that. But they just, hey, we're going to let you run with this. And now look what's happening. Yeah. This guy's. This guy's going to be a million-dollar player. Like, yep. it's going to happen if they let it. Yes. Because they've screwed this up before. If I was... Tony would screw it up. Yes. If I was Tony Khan right now, and it's hard because he doesn't have enough time to do it, I would binge watch different eras of WCW. I would watch the 92-93 era. It's funny because I said yesterday 89 was a bad year, or last week that 89 was a bad year for Crockett or for Turner. It wasn't. Flair and Terry Funk, Flair and Steamboat. It was actually an amazing year. 90 was not so good. But if I I would watch the 92-93 WCW to see how they positioned all their characters, and then I'd watch 96 WCW and 97 WCW and see how they, when they decided they were going to get somebody over, how they did it, and then watch how Goldberg organically got over in that time. Exactly. They they thought he was just going to be a A a Saturday night guy. And then figure out how to apply it to what you have on the board to work with. Take Dallas Page, for instance, who was kind of a jabron character that people got behind. Take, um, I never understood why Raven was as over as he was, especially, I understood it more in in ECW. I never got it in WCW. I don't think he was, I don't think he was terribly over in WCW. Well, the flock, I mean, like, I don't know. True, very true. But watch the evolution of Sting. Watch the the NWO. And if you watch these things. Booker T would be another one. yeah, Yeah, because in wrestling, what's old is new. What what worked once, especially when you're talking 20 or 25 years difference, can work again. Watch Mankind in WWE. 25th anniversary, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, absolutely. Watch all of those guys that Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, guys that Chris Jericho. Watch what worked there. It's time to do st- some of that stuff again. Some of it ages out, doesn't work nowadays. But a lot of it, if you, when you're watching it and you're trying to be creative, you'll think of how to come up with ways to get some of these guys over. If they don't create a baby face to run with MJF soon, because I don't think it's going to be, um, uh, I don't think it's going to be uh, Adam Cole. Cole. Oh, Adam Cole. Cole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be Omega. It's got to be Omega or Punk that's going to work with MJF. I don't think it's going to work if they don't start finding baby faces for MJF. His title reign will be just as bad as Hangman Page's and John Moxley's and all those other guys. He'll just be another guy that had the belt for six months to a year. And it'll, honestly, it'll go, be mid. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, going with Punk or Omega right now, I think it's a mistake. I think you hold off on that. But you're right. They don't have anybody else to hold him off with. Well, who do you put MJF in a main event angle? title match at their next pay-per-view which is all in and that's september a long weekend no that is august the 27th all out the following weekend in chicago okay so you got so you got two monster shows coming up one that's 
teetering on nine a $9 million gate with 66,000 tickets MJF sold. And is not the draw for that show. No. I don't no. think in England. No, he's not. The, not. No. So the you, brand is, is the draw. Yeah, so you worried about the match at All Out. In Chicago. So you now have... You're in the time where you're going to want, are they going to, is it going to be Cole versus MJF? They're doing an angle where they're hanging out this weekend, you know, they're going out and doing things and hanging out and it's just, it's like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's not built on it's a, a competitive battle to get that belt. Well, and MJF is supposed to be uh, wrestling on collision and again at the So t- he's going to have another throwaway match as a feature on a main event? Because of the way they're laying it out, him and Cole would be that guy, the, the the match, and they won't have any heat on it. Well, they're they're tag teaming in that Owen Hart tag team or some title eliminator yeah. tournament or something. They were paired together from a quote unquote random draw. <laughs> so now we MJF is like sucking up to him, basically saying, "Hey, we should we could be buddies. We could run run the table on this thing. We could be the tag team champions. We could run this place. Let's go hang out." So Adam Cole knows he's full of it, but he's like just doing it just to kind of yeah. So if you want to know how to book a heel heavyweight champion, watch Flair in '87 as the leader of the Horsemen, or watch Hulk Hogan in '96 as the NWO leader as a heel champion, and then go from there. How Hogan would. Like show no, like he was, he'd be cool, but you could tell he was vulnerable in his own way about the match. He didn't really want to wrestle the match, but he didn't come out like build your match. You got to build your baby faces to make your heel champion mean something. The heel champion should always be vulnerable to losing the title. Like it's, it's absolutely frustrating that they don't get it. It's, it's beyond me. I, they got to. If Cole's going to be the guy, get get him hot as a babyface. But it's hard once you once you cement the match. It's hard to get the babyface over. Austin, when he went after Michaels, he was over. It was it was time. Yeah, it was the like and Cody with Roman. It will be time when they go there. It's it, it, very frustrating. Speaking of the uh, 25th anniversary of Hell in a Cell, where were you guys watching that King of the Ring '98 when Ooh. Undertaker threw Mick Foley off the top of the cell? 1998, I was, yes, uh, my friend had a satellite dish. and Pirated pay-per-view, I'm sure. Yeah, and we we were watch, we watched it, uh, my buddy Kevin Lee, uh, way out. We were actually about five kilometers from the North Dakota border, and we watched that match. I'll never forget that. I remember thinking, like, man, that's crazy. Like, what a fall. Because I remember when Shawn Michaels fell I was, in October yeah. against The Undertaker. And that, and that looked, was through to the ring. I right. thought that was the well, last Well, no, no. Time. That was when he comes, was hanging off the side yeah, at oh, Bad yeah. Blood. And then he kind of let go and he fell through the table. But yeah. then that, that this was just taken to a whole new level. Yeah, and then he comes off. back, takes the choke slam through the top of the cage. And his body like folds and it twists like 90 degrees, folds in half. His tooth comes through his nose. Like, man, that was... I, I, I thought insane. it was the last time we saw Mick Foley when he was thrown off the cell, and then he came back, and then the, through the ring, I was like, okay, that's it. His career is done. Like, there's no way. Well, it shortened his career by about oh, 10 years. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, quite honestly. Hard to believe that was 25 years ago. Yeah. I wasn't even in the wrestling business yet. I was just going to train a few months after that. See, the problem with those magic moments is that they're career-defining, and in every case, it worked in the moment, but it's the product would have been hot with or without those spots. Sure. Mick Foley's defined by those spots. Undertaker's not. Nobody says, hey, uh, you know, that was an Undertaker moment, but they say that was a Mick Foley moment. But 
it's like the 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 negative outweighs the positive by a hundred percent. And though, sure, those are moments that make people go, oh my God, I can't believe I just saw that. But they would have still said that match was amazing even without that spot. That's yep. just my take on it. It's time now for the Mary Brown's mailbag. Mary Brown's chicken, crave delicious, crave Canadian. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's chicken. And who only uses Manitoba grown potatoes hand cut in store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's chicken. Crave delicious. Two questions in the mailbag this week. Before we get into that, don't forget, if you want to get your questions in, just hit us up on social media. Slide into our DMs. B She's Wrestling on Instagram, B She's Wrestling on Facebook, Total She's at gmail.com, and Total She's on Twitter. Is that correct, Mike? Yep. That's correct. All right, there we go. I, I always get a little bit confused about it. We do have two questions in the mailbag this week. First off, of course, we've got to ask each and every week about your Mary Brown's experience. Do you guys have any experiences this week? You know, I, I took a week off, to be honest with you, but a friend of the show, Dan Myers, went and picked up a uh, Buffalo Big Mary. Nice. Really hit the spot, he said. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, we've established, if you listen to the commercial, it talks about Manitoba chicken. Maybe in Alberta, it's Alberta chicken. I think we've figured it out. Man- Manitoba <laughs> chicken is far superior. Absolutely. I didn't know there was a Buffalo Big Mary. See, I'm working my way through the menu slowly, but I kind of get, I'm a creature of habit. I like the Nashville Big Mary. That's what I get. Yeah. I like that grilled chicken sandwich oh, a lot. So good. I get that a lot. So I don't really venture out. I, I Occasionally, I, I eye up the caramel dessert cups, and I'm like, no, not today. You know but. what's funny? I As soon as we're done this, I'm heading straight to the lake, and I plan to be swimming in a few hours. But I need to get something on the way out to the lake. So Boom. this might be time. Maybe upgrade the taters to like a large family size. Yeah. That should tide me over till I get there. And get really bloated by the time you get there. Hey, whatever. It's all, all right. Good. All right, let's do this. Let's hit our, hit our questions. Mike, you haven't been to Mary Brown's this week, but you're going right away, I hear. So yep. let's move on to uh, this one is coming from um, Jason Station. Oh, J- that's Jason Striation. Striation, yeah. Jason, <laughs> Sta- Jason, Sta- Jason, Jason Station. <laughs> Jason Striation. There we go. Uh, will PCW return and run again? Andrew Shellcross seems pretty happy not running. Good question. My, my belief has always been that Kenny Omega will, if he ever makes himself available, Shellcross will run. If not, I, I, every time I talk to the man, he's so at peace. He, it's nice to see, actually. Yes, and so I don't know. There is a role for Andrew in the business, even if he doesn't run PCW. I said he'd be a great booker for... Primos. I also said he'd be a good authority, like a commissioner, like somebody to mandate rules and f- seek compliance from promoters that are cutting corners. Um, if there was ever a need for a commission of some sort, uh, I don't know. It's a tough question. I think he will run again. I think this winter will be the time where he gets an itch. And then if he does, I think it'll always correspond with March because of the anniversary aspect. I don't think he's ever going to run another show. But my next question is. Why hasn't Omega maybe helped a, some of these some of his friends out to get a job there? Like the Chris Stevens of the world, the Mike Angels of the world, even a Shellcross. Maybe not on screen, but could he do something behind the scenes? No. 
You don't, <laughs> you don't think so? Well, Whoa. that's the end of that. No. <laughs> Andrew's experience in Win- is exclusive to Winnipeg and only working in a small... Or DiCaprio? He did help DiCaprio with a dark Get match. a dark, but like... The guy that... there. If you think about it realistically, the only guy that I could think of that belongs there legitimately for a job would be Mentolo. Why doesn't guys- that ever happen, do you think? I just think Mentolo and Omega, the there's a ton of respect, and, and Mentolo definitely helped develop Omega. No kidding. I just think it's case where maybe Mentolo doesn't lean on that quite right and say like, hmm. "Can you help me?" And I think Omega probably just thinks maybe Kevin doesn't want it. So it's kind of like neither guy makes a move that's right there. Miscommunication, maybe. Maybe yeah, I, but, but it might it, be heat too. Who knows? Well, and the thing is, is we think of Omega helping Winnipeg guys. But he's been all around the world, and there's probably, you know, maybe a list of 25 guys he would want to help. Kevin and, Matthews. Yes. His buddy. He and, just got hired. And Winnipeg guys might not fit high enough on the list. There's probably Japanese wrestlers sure. and maybe guys that helped him along the way. He might think that he's given all back to Winnipeg that he has to or wants to based on him coming back and helping shows. And he did a interview with Jay Onright recently where he said, you know, after that Winnipeg show, he really didn't realize how much it meant to him until after it was over. So that was was kind of cool to see. I really thought he didn't really engage himself before the show. And maybe that's why he said that. Yeah. And, and I remember where I was, I could see his parents in the front row, uh, for, for his segments. And, uh, I think I saw Ted or, uh, Chris Jericho's dad in the front row as well. But, uh, I think the case of Omega was, it put it into perspective when the fan, that was the first time a large crowd in Winnipeg really embraced him. It's been 300 for some PCW shows where he dropped back in. And he said that was his first time ever in that building. He had never gone to He'd any, never gone to a show there or a concert or anything is what he said in the interview. I don't know how <laughs> that building, I can believe that, that. building was erected <laughs> yeah. in 2003, 2004. It opened. Okay. November. So, but sadly, I can see that happening. You can't see that happening? Yes, I, I could. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking... Hey, this video game's cool. Yeah, like, of all, like... Uh, <laughs> move along. All right, let's move it along here. Next question. This one coming in from Jill. She says, recently, uh, fans were causing a ruckus at a show and hit the ring. What do you guys think about this happening? Thanks for... Uh, thanks for your answer. Oh, yes. I saw something online. This was a big thing this week where... So a fan got in on the wrestlers? Right. What happened basically was there was a guy wrestling. I can't remember who it was. I actually commented on it on the Facebook post that I saw. And a fan jumped the barricade, got in the ring, and the wrestler basically punched the guy's lights out. Yeah. And uh, there, and then, you know, and I've been a victim of this. I, you know, I would endorse that. I wouldn't in, in, endorse hurting somebody or uh, maiming somebody. But at the end of the day, if you jump in the ring, I don't know what you're going to do. Do you have a knife? Do you have a weapon? Are you going to like, what's going on? I don't know what's going to happen. So this guy defended himself as I would have. And then he got, I don't know if crucified is the right word, but there were people saying you shouldn't have done that and this and that. Alternatively, my point was, I feel that was the right thing to do. But if he went into the crowd Adam Knight and slapped a fan. Now he's interjecting himself into their world. That is wrong. Yes. Yeah. So the moral of the story is respect each other's worlds. 
you, if you're there as a paying fan, enjoy the performance. Do not get involved in the in physically involved in this match because it will not end well for you. I have a unique perspective. I'm not a wrestler. I you have were. been a wrestler, and I was jumped. You drew money with me. Yeah, and I was jumped by a fan at a Bell Hotel show in the north end of Winnipeg when I was underage, caveman bro to save my life by fighting, duking it out with the guy. Um, so, you know, I see it both ways. The first thing's first. Guy hits the ring. Your number one objective is neutralize him because if he's got a sharp object, you are, you are real, all guys in the ring are exposed. That's where the referee comes in handy because the referee usually yep. can get the advantage position from behind because he goes after the stars. We've seen that in WCW lots. Where yeah. I remember Randy Anderson guys grabs a guy in a front face lock. Yeah. I remember Scott Hall stomping on this guy's head yeah. with his heel. I now, here's that. where it gets ugly. Now, I'll, I'll take you back to Bret Hart's Hall of Fame speeches, the Hart Foundation. Guy mm-hmm. hits the ring, takes out Bret. Finally, security has him neutralized. Cash, Cash Wheeler, I think it yep. was, punches mm-hmm. him when he's, he's vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That should have been an assault charge. Now, yep. at the Bombers, when a guy hits the field, security generally gives pursuit. And because there's 30,000 fans and cell phones... The last thing we want to be liable for is somebody kicking this guy and him ending up with permanent injury, either kicking him in the face or you, you right. put, or you dogpile him and he ends up paralyzed. All of a sudden the bombers are liable, even though we're doing it to try to protect everybody. We don't know that he's going after a visiting coach or a referee or a player. Right. We don't know what they're going to do, but we, we have an obligation to neutralize him in a safe fashion. So you don't, you don't take liberties. You don't aim to hurt the person. So many times I've heard guys brag, oh, I kicked him square in the face, and then another guy kicked him. The second kick is useless. That's not yeah. cool. And it's and you're now picking on the on the exposed. So what should happen is neutralize safely. If the referee can do that, great. Mm-hmm. If you have to break character and you both neutralize the guy, neutralize. Don't injure the guy. Right. And then that guy should be charged with a crime. He put he it's it's basically trespassing or whatever. There is a crime involved. I've it, the bombers, people get charged for doing this. If like, I've seen it at concerts, when somebody got up on the stage and went running after and cause they're a super fan, they get taken to the ground by the band security, not, not the venue security. The band has security there that jumps them. They get them to the ground. They usually handcuff them and drag them. They're not gentle about it, but they don't intend they, their goal is not to give the guy a permanent injury. Not in front of the crowd, at, anyways. At, <laughs> as, a, as a wrestler, you have to protect yourself, though, and the guy climbing in the ring. First off, if you're ever, ever thinking of doing this, don't do it, number one. Number right. two, you'll never make it in the ring because you don't know how to get through the ropes. Now, right. the other problem and is... And that's where the wrestler has the advantage. Yeah, Usually, yeah. that's when the kick happens, and I, I will, I'll come out and say it. I have kicked a guy who came through the ring. I didn't kick him in the head, but I, I gave him a really good one yeah. across the chest. I kicked a guy too. And and yep. I would do it again. Well, and there is but there is another thing to consider. Did the heel do something in like to to stoke the guy up and then say if you got balls you'll come in here. Well, then, what are you doing? You can't you, that's one thing yeah, a, yeah. a good heel knows do not tell the guy if you got any balls no, come in here. Don't do because that. it could be perceived yeah. as I was invited in for the fight. This was literally during the match and and the for me and the and the face was down and I just saw something out of the corner of my eye and there was a guy crawling in over the bottom rope yeah and he was literally in perfect position i could remember drills from when i was training how to kick a guy and leave lace marks on him and so i i punted him real good and that that was all it took 
he rolled out of the ring. He was holding his ribs. And I don't remember, I think Andrew, it was a PCW show. I think Andrew. I'm surprised when, with Andrew in the, in the crowd as a well, he ring had, announcer, promoter, stuff like that. He was wearing a happened. lot of hats at the, yeah. at the time. And I if might, he was at the music booth, he might've been. I might not, and it might not even be a PCW show. I just remember a dark bar show. Listen, so, I had a steel cage match in Detroit while I was wrestling this guy and he didn't, his, he's called DBA. And I won't tell you what that stands for because it's not politically correct. But he didn't wisen up his family. Uh, That's another one. That this is a work. Yeah. So he's got color in the cage. And they believe what they're seeing is legitimate. So one of his family members started climbing up the cage. So I hit his hands with a chair, again, to neutralize him yeah. so he doesn't come in. So now he gets hot. <laughs> well, no so doubt. now he gets back on the cage, but his brother is on the other side. <laughs> so now they're on each other's sides. So then I go back to DBA. I go, what the hell is going on here? And he starts laughing. And I go, who are these guys? He goes, they're my family. <laughs> and I, you didn't wisen them up, you yeah. MFer. Yeah. And he's like, nope. Well, so now there's four of them climbing. <laughs> so I got the hell out of that cage, and I had to get escorted out of the building. But that would have been bad news for me yeah. if they would have got in. Did you hit a finish first? We went home real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, another show in Detroit, same thing. That was when I kicked the guy to neutralize him. Yeah. Didn't hurt him. He was fine. But, again, I don't know what this guy is going to do. You're putting yourself in that situation. You're putting yourself in our world. Do not do it. it you're not proving anything. You will get hurt. Alternatively, if you're a wrestler, a fan who paid money to watch you, you're being a heel, he's heckling you. Now, if he spits on you or whatever, that's something else. Do not cross the line on the other side and get yourself involved with the fan. That's just bad yeah. business. When So if somebody spits on you, the thing you should do is you there should be venue security and you should be getting that guy kick, kicked out. Right, you don't you you're never gonna win the battle, even though you beat the hell out of the guy. You aren't gonna <laughs> win the battle of of you beat the hell out of the guy because you could end up getting uh, nailed with assault. It's not worth it. I've seen Mike Davidson take a couple punches, and he's still here to he's still here to <laughs> still here talk, to talk about, about it. it. There you go. All right, we're running long, but Mecca, are you ready? Do you have anything in the tank for the event center? Oh man, you thought last week was busy, Mike. This week is even busier. Damn. This. Is your B She's Wrestling Event Center? We start in British Columbia, Saturday, July eighth. Thrash Wrestling is in West Kelowna, Saturday, July eighth. Nation Extreme Wrestling is in Vancouver. We shift to Alberta, Wednesday, July fifth. All Elite Wrestling is in Edmonton. Friday, July seventh. Monster Pro Wrestling is also in Edmonton. The next day, Monster Pro returns to Slave Lake. Saturday, July eighth. Dungeon Wrestling is in Calgary. And from Friday, July 7th through Sunday, July 9th, MexiFest comes to Calgary in conjunction with Wild Rose Sports Association and Real Canadian Wrestling. Over in Saskatchewan, Friday, July 7th, Ringside Wrestling returns to Regina. And Saturday, July 8th, All Elite Wrestling is in Regina. We shift to the Manitoba-based promotion Canadian Wrestling's Elite, they have a big tour coming up to Ontario. Tuesday, July 4th, CWE is in Bradford. Wednesday, July 5th, CWE is in Sudbury. Thursday, July 6th, CWE is in Elliott Lake. The next night, they are in Sault Ste. Marie. And rounding out the tour, Saturday, July 8th, CWE is in Thunder Bay. All of those shows feature former WWE superstar, The Masterpiece, 
Chris Masters. And finally, Friday, July 7th, Time Bomb Pro Wrestling is in Winnipeg. And that is your B She's Wrestling Event Center. I counted this week. Last week, I was pretty sure it was 15. I think it was 12 in the end. Yep. That counts as 15 shows you're talking about. Good job, my friend. Um, what a show it's been. Like We talked about primos and things they could do better. We talked about AEW and how they could develop a baby face. We talked about fans hitting the ring and how dangerous that is. And uh, Jesus is my friend. I can't wait to play that song for you people. It's catchy. Oh, if I was a babyface, this would be my ring music. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. Me how to praise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise his name. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. silly songs. He loves me when I'm quiet and I have nothing to say. He'll love me when I'm perfect if I ever get that way. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend That's terrific, Sal. Thank you very much. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, 